This is the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc, episode number 75. Let's do this. You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your host, Michael Blanc. You know, I've been watching the crowdfunding thing a little bit from the distance because it's not really that relevant to the average newbie syndicator trying to get started. There's this huge, massive amount of capital out there chasing deals. And the crowdfunding platform, for some reason, only picks sponsors that have a gazillion, million, trillion of assets under management with huge track records. Now, I understand why they do this because obviously they want a high probability play and don't want egg on face for investor ever to lose money. And so there's a huge amount of money out there, but it has it's not really accessible to most listeners on the show, which means that crowdfunding is only a bit marginally interesting. However, I wanted to check with Jillian Hellman, the CEO of Realty Mogul, and kind of get an update on the status of multifamily crowdfunding. And her company is interesting because she, from the beginning, she just focused on multifamily, not like many others who focused on single family house flips. I posed this question, you know, how can the newbie, you know, new syndicator get access to crowdfunding and kind of what some of the terms are that we can expect. So I hope you find this interesting and gives you some ideas to access more capital, even if you don't have a massive track record. All right, enjoy. Hey, Jillian, welcome to the call today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, let's just start uh, just by giving this a little background about you and your company. Sure. I am the CEO of RealtyMogul.com, and we are an online marketplace for real estate investing. So we're a two-sided marketplace. On one side of the market, we have investors, and we have over 130,000 investors that have registered at RealtyMogul.com looking for passive investments in commercial real estate. And then on the other side of the marketplace, we have real estate companies. And these real estate companies are looking for capital. They're looking for capital to acquire more real estate and operate that real estate. And so we're the connecting tissue between these investors looking to invest passively in real estate and these real estate companies looking to invest actively in real estate. Yeah, 130,000, that's a huge number. It just shows how many people are hungry for some kind of return. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's been a little, a little while since I dealt with crowdfunding on the podcast, about a year or so. Catch us up a little bit on how the industry has been evolving. Yeah, sure thing. So, you know, crowdfunding really started probably about five years ago with the passage of the Jobs Act or the conversations about the Jobs Act in Congress and the Senate. And so since then, I think crowdfunding has become more and more mainstream. You know, this idea that you can raise capital on the internet for a variety of different things. You know, in my case, we happen to be raising capital on the internet to invest in commercial real estate, but there's many different facets of crowdfunding. So I think, you know, crowdfunding first started as kind of the Kickstarters and the Indiegogos of the world, where it was donation-based crowdfunding. And you've seen it evolve into investment-based crowdfunding, like investments in commercial real estate. And I think that crowdfunding is going to continue to grow and evolve. You know, when we started our company in 2013, you know, we'd never made an investment in commercial real estate through capital raised on the internet. We've now had investors invest over $300 million online. Mm-hmm. So it's continuing to grow. It's continuing to scale. I think they said that there's going to be over a billion dollars in invested capital through crowdfunding this year alone. So it's really growing as a as a business and as an opportunity for investors to get access to private transactions that they never had access to before. 
Yeah, that's outstanding. Now, a lot of crowdfunding companies, when they first started, are focused exclusively on single-family house, short-term holes and flips. You guys decided to go right into commercial space. What's behind that decision? Yeah, you know, I think that there was a huge opportunity in the single-family space in the earlier portions of our company, right? In 2013, 2014, even 2015, there was a huge amount of single-family residential that the banks owned. And in in the crisis of 2008, 2009, the banks were offloading all of these residential properties. So you could buy residential property pretty cheap. We started recognizing that the prices were just being bid up in a lot of markets. And it wasn't that easy to make money doing fix and flips, right? And, And maybe it wasn't the right time to be investing in fix and flips. So we said, we really want to focus on commercial real estate. We really want to focus on existing properties that have existing tenants that have existing cash flow. And we think that that's less risky than a you know vacant residential property that's being renovated. Yeah, and and obviously that's going well for you guys. And you guys are investing both debt and equity. What kind of investments do you make? We invest in both debt and equity. On the equity side of our business, we offer our investors both joint venture equity investments and preferred equity investments. And then on the lending side of the business, we can offer both mezzanine debt and senior mortgages. Let's talk about the uh, equity side uh, a little bit more. What's the difference between uh, joint venture equity and preferred equity? So if you are investing in preferred equity or if you're a real estate you know, company or real estate sponsor and you're getting preferred equity, that's going to be paid before the common equity or the joint venture equity. So common equity and joint venture equity are synonymous with one another. And that's going to be the riskiest part of the capital stack, right? That's the last to be paid. Mm-hmm. So in preferred equity, it's going to be paid before common or joint venture equity but you're typically just paying a flat coupon. So typically, you know, 11 or 12%. The investor who invests in preferred equity typically does not get any of the appreciation. So if the property appreciates from $10 million to $20 million, the preferred equity piece is not going to get any of that appreciation. It's only going to get a flat coupon that's predetermined or pre-negotiated. That's mm-hmm. very different than common equity or joint venture equity, where that investor is absolutely going to get a piece of the appreciation or the upside of the transaction. So when would one choose a one over the other? You know, it depends. Different investors have different preferences. You know, some investors are really interested in income, so current income and a, you know, 11 or 12 or 13% income stream from preferred equity can be really attractive. Right. Other investors are willing to take more risk and have the potential for more upside, which would be a better fit for joint venture equity or, or common equity. Right. So if something has uh, maybe very strong cash flow, and then maybe something more on the preferred would be good. Otherwise, if something has a very uh, high upside, maybe a joint venture arrangement would be better with a cash flow is maybe a little weaker in the beginning. Exactly. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So that's neat. Now, the perception of crowdfunding, you know, real or otherwise, is that you know it's kind of an advanced strategy for someone who wants to begin syndicating. And even on your website, you know, you look for your co-sponsors must have twenty-five million dollars of previous acquisitions. But of course, you evaluate sponsors on a case-by-case basis, so it's not really a tool for the new-time syndicator. Something you know, once down the road, and you're starting to look for other avenues of money. So, in other words, you look for sponsors who are very, very experienced. Can you talk a little bit more about what you look for in a sponsor there? Yeah, we do. So we don't do business with first-time sponsors. We're really looking for real estate companies or sponsors who have a history and a track record of success. And what we are typically looking for is a real estate company who has done transactions in that market, in that property type. So for example, you know, we have a great sponsor that we work with who's done $500 million of transactions in Texas in multifamily. 
that is his bread and butter, right? He focuses in that market or in that state and, and in multifamily in particular. He's not doing retail and office and industrial and multifamily. He's really, really focused and hyper-focused on multifamily. So we obviously have a lot of investors on our platform, you know, 130,000 that I mentioned earlier. And these investors want to work with sophisticated real estate companies. They want to work with companies that have a history of success, a track record of success. And, you know, also this is their full-time job, right? We typically will not work with a sponsor that's just a solo operator, right? One guy or gal who's out acquiring real estate. We're really looking for folks who this is their full-time job. They have a company, they have employees, they have staff, and they're very serious and professional about their execution in investing in real estate. Right. That makes a, a lot of sense. Now, what if someone wants to get into syndication and they want to take advantage of crowdfunding, what advice do you have for that kind of person? You know, I think that if someone wants to get involved in syndication, do a deal, right? I mean, the first step is do a transaction. And if it's your first transaction, I don't think crowdfunding is going to be the right place to raise capital, but you can raise it from friends and family, right? You go and you raise that capital from friends and family who believe in you. It's very, very challenging, right? It's sort of the old fashioned country club networks that crowdfunding is trying to disrupt in a lot of ways, but that's still the way that you have to get started. You know, I mean, I think about even starting our company, right? When we started Realty Mogul, the first dollars that funded our company were, you know, my own money and my parents' money. So you have to have the people around you that know you and have a personal relationship with you really believe in you in the beginning. So I would say get your first deal done, right? And add value in that transaction and look to sell that transaction as quickly as you can so you can build a track record and then roll that capital to the next transaction, right? And if you do that three or four times over the course of, you know, two or three years, I think you're then going to be in a position where you've got a track record and you've, you've made a lot of mistakes too, right? I mean, it's not like you're going to go out and know everything about investing in real estate your first time and you have to have capital that's flexible and you have to be willing to take a couple of hits and make a couple of mistakes. And we're looking for real estate companies who have already made those mistakes, right? Who have already learned a lot and really know how to operate real estate. So my recommendation would for first timers would be raise the capital any way you can. It's going to be friends and family. And then really add value, you know, really do a nice job in operating and adding value to that real estate so you can sell it. Yeah, that first deal is so critical and building up that track record. Is there maybe another avenue? I'm thinking of, you know, sometimes you can fast track some of these things by partnering with people, right? So let's say I'm out there hustling and, and I found a really good deal, but I know it's going to be difficult for me to qualify for the loan, difficult for me to kind of to raise all the money, but I found this great deal. It's a great 125 unit deal or whatever the case may be. What if I partnered, right? What if I go went out there and try to find a co-sponsor with this kind of track record and then go out to the crowd? Yeah, that's not a bad idea. You know, if you have, look, deals are very hard to find today, right? right? So if you have a great deal, there's absolutely no reason that you can't go partner with a larger real estate company. I would just have two understandings. One, you're going to have to pay that other real estate company. So you should be realistic in knowing that a significant portion of the promote is going to go to that real estate company who's going to raise the capital and operate the transaction. And two, you probably won't have control of the transaction, right? When we have co-sponsorships on our platform at Realty Mogul, we require one sponsor to really have final say, right? We don't want to be in a situation where there's infighting between sponsorship or there is a struggle to make a decision. So we really push for one sponsor to have that final say. So as long as you're willing to give up some control and you're willing to give up economics, it's worth it, right? And it's worth it to get into the business and to start to build a track record because that transaction will become part of your track record. And you'll also be able to learn a lot from that real estate company that you're working with. Yeah, that's right. Even if you have a minority general partnership position, you can still claim it as part of your track record, especially if you found you're involved in it. Exactly. Yeah. 
what's a kind of a good deal for you guys? I mean, obviously you said uh, good deals are hard to find, so you have a humongous number of people. My sense is there's probably more cash out there than deals at the moment. So in an environment where it's hard to do deals, what is a good deal to you? Can you describe it in terms of perhaps uh, cash and cash return, overall average return, or even IRR? How do you define a good deal that you would say, hey, this is something that meets our minimal criteria and we'll go out to the crowd with it? Yeah, so every deal is different. Philosophically, we really focus on cash flow in real estate. So it's not to say that we've never done a deal without cash flow. We have, but really philosophically, we we're interested in real estate that has existing tenants and existing cash flow. So let's take an apartment building, for example, you know, a hundred unit property in a B class secondary market is probably the majority of what we do. We don't do a ton of core real estate. So no, you know, New York City, Los Angeles, San Francisco. Because we think that a lot of those properties are overbid and overpriced, and there's not as much cash flow, right? Just given the location, we tend to be able to find better cash flow in secondary markets in sort of a B-class asset. And we're typically looking for some opportunity to value add. So that 100-unit building, maybe 25 of those units have been renovated, and the other 75 units haven't been renovated. There's an opportunity for the real estate company that we're working with to go in, renovate those units, release those up, and then eventually resell the property. We're typically looking for kind of a 7 or 8% average cash on cash return to our investors. And then we're typically looking at about a 15% IRR net to our investors. So after all the fees, after you know realistic assumptions, realistic underwriting, we're typically looking for about a 15% IRR when we do our underwriting on the transaction. Gotcha. So 7 to 8% average cash on cash return over the life of the project, let's say it's five years, and then a 15% IR net to the investors. Is there typically a preferred rate of return on that, or that really depends on which kind of equity product the syndicator chooses? Yeah, there's typically, I mean, preferred equity is definitely preferred, but there's typically a preferred return on joint venture equity as well. You know, most often we'll see an 8% preferred return, and then there's a waterfall thereafter, you know, typically a 70-30. So in that instance, the investor would get an 8% preferred return. And then when there's a sale of the property, 70% of the appreciation would go to the investor, 30% of the appreciation would go to the real estate company. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, another way to get into the game, obviously, is through investing passively. You know, a lot of folks are doing that and some are doing it just because they want to learn the business and trying to get into it that way. Let's look at it from the passive side a little bit more. So I have some money to invest. What requirements do I need to meet to be able to invest with you guys? So we're open to nearly all investors. We have two different ways that investors can invest. One is through a public non-traded REIT, and that vehicle is open to all investors. They can come online and they can invest in the REIT. The REIT is a real estate investment trust, and it is a pool of different commercial real estate investments. So it's a diversified pool of commercial real estate investments. And because that is a public entity, we're open to all investors. We don't have any limitations around only accredited investors. So that's one way that all investors can invest with us. We then have a separate section of the realtymogul.com website that is limited to accredited investors. And accredited investors are those with an income above $200,000 or a net worth above a million dollars. And so for regulatory purposes, for our private transactions, we're limited to accredited investors. So again, our, our public transaction, which is the REIT, the Real Estate Investment Trust, is open to all investors. Our private transactions are open to just accredited investors. So the accredited investors are obviously fairly straightforward. If I'm not a non-accredited investor, what is the process for me to be able to invest with you guys? What is the process I have to go through? So the process is the same for all investors. You come to our website at realtymogul.com. You sign up for a user account. You then 
start looking at a variety of different transactions and you select which transaction you want to invest in. So you could select the REIT or you could, you know, if you're a credit investor, you'd see the private transactions, you could select one of those. And then you can do everything online. You can fund online, you can sign your legal documents online, you can get reporting online, tax documents online. We've made the entire experience digital. That's awesome because the investor doesn't really matter where the investment is being made. It just happens to be into the REIT. I think the only difference is that at that point, you can't invest with a specific property, right? It's kind of a blended trust. Right. If you're investing in the REIT, you're you're in a blended vehicle where there's a variety of different transactions. We have 11 different investments in the REIT today. And we usually add you know a handful of investments every couple of weeks. And then, so you're in that diversified vehicle if you're investing in the REIT. If you are an accredited investor, you can pick and choose specific properties. So you can say, I want to invest in a specific apartment building or a specific self-storage center, et cetera. Right. Makes a lot of sense. What are some of the benefits of working with you guys, Realty Mogul, versus maybe some of the other ones? How are you guys different or... You know, I think at the end of the day, it comes down to track record, right? We've invested over $300 million in commercial real estate. The real estate companies that have been working with us have done multiple transactions with us. So I think that that speaks to, you know, them having a great experience, us having the capital when we commit and we say, look, we're going to be there at the closing table and really the network that we've built. You know, we have 130,000 investors on the platform. That's not an easy thing to do, right? To get critical mass of investors is a very challenging thing to do. And I think that we've proven over the last five years that we've been very capable of that and, and have grown the platform as such. Yeah, that's fantastic. Jillian, give us a little background on how and why you started this thing. I'm always fascinated with startups, especially when we're taking something traditional like like equity or, or funding and we apply technology to it. Just give us a little story of how that came about. Yeah, sure thing. So I was in the banking world. I'm sort of a recovering banker and <laughs> I spent the, the latter part of my time in banking and wealth management. And what I found was that our wealthiest clients were real estate investors. Either they had had you know, real estate through inheritance, or they were buying real estate, or they were investing in real estate. And, and I thought that there was this huge opportunity to open up private real estate investing to a broader array of investors. It was right about that time that the Jobs Act was going through with regulations. And I thought there's, there's a huge opportunity here. Sort of my two passions are financial services and, and technology. So Realty Mogul was the ability to blend those two passions, financial services, technology, and to bring real estate investing to a broader scope of people to help folks generate wealth and generate income. Yeah, it kind of brings it down to almost a non-accredited investor, much lower minimum than it was before. So yeah, it's been fantastic to watch the industry kind of evolve so quickly. Where do you kind of see it going over the next few years? You know, I think that the business is going to continue to grow. You know, as I see crowdfunding becoming more and more mainstream, more investors becoming more comfortable with doing real estate transactions on the internet, I think that it's going to continue to grow and this is going to be, you know, a billion dollar industry. That's amazing. Jillian, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, catch us up to speed on Realty Mogul and crowdfunding. Thanks so much. Absolutely. I appreciate the time. You know, this idea of partnering comes up repeatedly, right? If you don't have the experience, then find someone who does. If you don't have the balance sheet to qualify for a loan, then find someone who does. If you don't have the money, then find someone who does. So once again, the theme of partnering comes up. Wouldn't it be great that if you found a deal, you also had basically the money raising solved. All you need is someone with a track record, right? So find someone that has track record. And I'd be happy to partner with you. We talked about that before. If you go to the michaelblank.com forward slash partner, it kind of shows you what our partner program looks like. But there's others like me out there that are experienced, that have track record, that have ability to raise money, and all they need is a good deal, right? Find those people. If you're a hustler and you can find deals, 
then that has a lot of value. Then you can uh, partner with this co-sponsor and that person will qualify for the loans and you could take that to the crowd, right? If you have a good enough deal and Jillian talked about some of the terms she's looking for and the terms she's looking for with a 7 8% average cash and cash return over five years, that's what we look for in all our deals. 15% IRR, that's what we look forward also, right? So there's a great intersection between the deals that we're seeing that are actually possible and the point where you can raise money. And that's they're very, very compatible. So if you can align yourself with a sponsor, you find that deal with the sponsor, you say, look, we're going to go to the crowd. You don't even have to raise the money. All I need is your track record and your experience, and we can go raise this money. You don't even have to call your own investors. If you could do that, you're providing so much massive value simply by partnering. And if you do that, that'll propel you into the multiple hundreds of units very quickly if you have the ability to do that. So anyway, I hope that gave you some ideas about how you might be able to use crowdfunding for your own purposes. All right. If you haven't done so already, do two things. One is leave me a, a review on iTunes. I love reading those and it gets to show out to more people. And also, if you haven't done so already, grab my free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. You can get it in two ways. One is on themichaelblanc.com forward slash ebook. That's themichaelblanc.com forward slash ebook. You can also get it via text message by texting the word secret book, all one word, lowercase, secret book to 44222. That's 44222. All right, guys. Appreciate you. Catch you next episode. Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to themichaelblanc.com. There, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.